Welcome to the Spiritual Leadership Podcast with Pastor Paul Chapel, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and founder and president of West Coast Baptist College. Well, thanks again for joining us for the Spiritual Leadership Podcast, and I thank God for the privilege we have to labor in this generation. And one of the things that I ponder is how to be faithful throughout my entire life in ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sure you think about that as well. We all hear about ministry attrition, and we hear about people that uh, sometimes uh, uh, fall out of the ministry and, and all of the difficulties and so forth. And yet I believe that there are thousands of pastors like me across America who want to be faithful to Christ all their life long. And we also want to produce in the local church, by the Word of God, disciples who are faithful. And uh, certainly uh, we see the commandment of our Lord regarding fruit that remains. And so today we're going to be talking about how to develop a continuing heart in the local church, a continuing philosophy of faithfulness, both for our lives and for those with whom we minister. But before we get into the subject of continuing, I wanna take a moment and just answer a couple of questions that uh, came in uh, to the podcast. And I hope that uh, you'll feel free anytime uh, to contact us and uh, let us know uh, how we might uh, be a blessing or perhaps share some thoughts with you uh, by way of this podcast. This is a question that I have pondered as well, and it's simply a question about tithing. And the question says, considering widows and those that are in poverty, uh, uh, would you suggest that uh, we should teach tithing or uh, do we just tell them to do the best that they can do? And uh, you know, I think that question comes from a very sincere heart. I know there have been times in my life when I've wondered, should we even mention tithing, you know, uh, because we don't want to pressure people. And then beyond that, building programs that we've had and building offerings and such. But when I think of the story of the widow's might, uh, I see a woman who gave sacrificially. Uh, she gave not from her abundance. Uh, she gave with real sacrifice. And, and the Lord saw that. And then there's other people that uh, maybe do tithe. And it's not truly a, a love offering for the Lord. And so I feel like the baseline for all of it is tithing. And I base that on the scripture that says the tithe is the Lord's. And we all have heard the arguments uh, that's under the law and, and so forth. Uh, but I, I'm just a believer in this fact that should I do less for the Lord under grace than they did under the law? Uh, and I think the answer is no. I think uh, uh, that tithing is a benchmark uh, and you may not like to use the word tithing a lot. You might want to refer to grace giving, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, see that you grow in this grace also. But I have found that everybody needs kind of a beginning entry point, and I feel that the tithe is the entry point. And certainly in your presentation of tithing, if you are dealing with a younger uh, group in maybe a poverty-stricken area, you're going to be gentle uh, as, a, as a nursing mother, as Paul said, or you're going to be patient as a loving parent, as he said there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, just caring for the flock, but uh, not, not browbeating in the area of giving. I have, I have found you're not going to produce long-term faithful givers in the church with guilt. So just teach it from the perspective of grace, have a beginning point as an entry mark of the tithe, and then let the Holy Spirit lead them along their journey. Next question is a question that says, what do you do when you find your church stagnant in growth? Uh, 
You know, that's a, another great question. I think every church will have periods of just up and up and then sometimes down maybe and sometimes just kind of stagnant. Uh, some studies that I've read tell me that two out of three churches in America are stagnant or declining. I would not argue that. Uh, some of my uh, observations uh, would indicate that the growth that's happening right now in uh, Baptist churches, independent Baptist churches, mostly of course where I preach, but uh, mostly as you look across at Baptist or conservative churches, the growth is found in church plants and younger churches, and that's always been the case. Obviously, if you go from zero to 100, that's 100% growth, you know. So, uh, and, uh, and yet, when you're running, say, you know, three or 4,000, uh, and you grow by 100, uh, you're kind of stagnant, you know. So, uh, I would say that when you hit those points of stagnation, a couple things to remember. Number one, God is sovereign. Uh, he, he has seasons in a church, and sometimes uh, in my life there have been times when I have felt those were the seasons God wanted me to work at discipleship and maybe uh, seeking a better passion for God, uh, just building into the people because uh, you have uh, seasons where you're giving out excessively and some seasons where you're maybe taking in and growing. Second thing, of course, is to, is to analyze, uh, uh, maybe create a dashboard of indicators of your ministry that include uh, offerings, attendances, uh, maybe that include uh, some of the volunteerism uh, in the ministry, and just try to look at a dashboard picture of maybe where are the weaknesses in the ministry. Sometimes it's very easy to see. It might be that uh, you're struggling in the youth or the young couples, or maybe you had a bus ministry and now your bus ministry is not what it once was, or maybe you had a Spanish ministry and now, now the Spanish ministry. But you can look and kind of see those indicators. And sometimes what you find, you're not really stagnant church-wide, but there's an area that needs to be considered. And so uh, I would say wait on the Lord, analyze, and then always stay soul winning, stay after people. Um, I cannot explain this. Uh, last year our church knocked on 435,000 doors and uh, we had a few less people baptized than the year before where we knocked on uh, uh, less doors than that. So, uh, you know, I think God calls me to be faithful and, uh, and he's the one that adds to the church. So let me just encourage you, during the periods of growth, decline, or stagnation, be faithful to the Lord, and I believe he'll bring the increase. And then uh, finally, this question from Alaska, and uh, the question deals with Christian school. And the pastor very honestly says the church has had a school for quite some time, but the product has not really been uh, godly uh, graduates that are out functioning for the Lord Jesus Christ, even in their adult life. And you know, that's a real dilemma. I tell you, uh, we see uh, in uh, so many situations, Christian schools that just aren't led spiritually uh, and that are viewed more as a moneymaker and just whoever wants to put their kids in. And I'll tell you, you get a few scorners in a Christian school, especially in a high school, and it can really be detrimental for the whole ministry. So I would just say this, I believe in Christian education. We have a wonderful Christian school. Uh, we've seen about two thirds of our graduating classes go off to Bible college for more than 20 years. And I believe that God has blessed Christian education. Uh, the scriptures speak of tutors and governors as, as helping along in children's lives. And I don't think it's uh, wrong to have uh, uh, others educate your children. Some of the uh, more hyper homeschool uh, movement people that I have met are are against anyone else influencing 
their children and so forth. And I don't, I don't think you can really press that scripturally. I'm glad for the influences upon my children, while I do believe that the parents are the primary influence, biblically speaking. So having said that, let me tell you what I believe are some key indications of a successful school from the standpoint of producing disciples. Uh, academically, we don't have time for that on this podcast, but let me give you a few things. Number one, have a solid uh, enrollment process where you're vetting the families and where you have a commitment that these families are committed Christian families. Um, some schools will have non-Christian families up to the maybe the third grade, but if you have a lot of unsaved kids in your Christian school, you're not gonna produce uh, very much fruit from the standpoint of disciples. You may see some of those kids saved, uh, but it may be to the detriment of, of the atmosphere that you have in the school. So we've always felt like our Christian school, especially in the secondary, should be for Christian homes. So that's number one, have a good application process. Number two, have a clear understanding with the parents up front. This is a Christian school. Uh, most, of our, most of our students are from this church or like-minded churches and make sure the parents are on board with you and that they sign a parent agreement. Number three, make sure that you as a pastor are involved in the school, uh, whether that's with teacher training, chapel services, uh, parent-teacher fellowship meetings, that you are, are shepherding the school. Now, some pastors are way overly involved. I see a lot of pastors with these you know, little uh, ACE schools and Abeka schools or whatever, and these pastors are just daily, daily uh, teaching these 12 or 15 kids and running them to all kinds of activities. I respect that in one sense, but let me just say, you've got to decide, are you going to be a Christian school person or a pastor in the sense of edifying and building up the flock? And sometimes uh, you'd be better off either not having the school and building a strong church and then starting school later, or if you're gonna have the school, make sure you have good help so that you can stay in the word and stay focused on reaching people for the gospel. Okay, so I believe a pastor should be involved in the school. I don't know the number of hours, maybe in some cases uh, three to five hours a week, but not uh, daily leading the whole process. So vet the students via enrollment agree with the parents on your philosophy, pastors stay involved in the school, pastoring and shepherding uh, the parents, the students, the staff. And I believe those things make a big, big difference. Many other things could be said. I invite you to come down and visit our school here at Lancaster Baptist sometime. It's a great place. We have about probably 450 students. Uh, this year we have a very strong senior class of young people striving for the Lord, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, there's been other days when it's been less so, but overall we're very blessed and, and I appreciate that question. Well, we wanna get back to our subject today of talking about continuing and uh, how to continue personally and how to develop others that are uh, continuing along in their faith. And last week we said continuing churches uh, are churches that are commit, uh, committed to outreach and as we discussed last month this principle of continuing, I did give the challenge to continue in uh, reaching out with the gospel. And uh, that's so elementary and yet so needed. Uh, I find that many churches today are neglecting soul winning, they're neglecting 
uh, just reaching out in the community with the gospel. Uh, and a lot of people, a lot of pastors I hear talk about missional ministry and they talk about all these things and it boils down to sort of a social gospel. I'm sorry to say that. I'm not, look at, we've done a million different things here. We've painted houses, we've given coffee to commuters. I'm not putting that down, but if you don't attach the gospel to that, uh, you're just doing a social work. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, and excuse me for sounding you know, somewhat uh, uh, old fashioned on that subject, but I'm just gonna stick with the Bible. There's a lot of missional talk out there by people who are very often not seeing people truly saved. And I'm just, I just believe in, in uh, the bottom line. And to me, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save uh, the lost. And so make sure that you're continuing, not just in you know, kind of outreach and uh, really having a good testimony. Those are good things, but attach the gospel to it and make sure that you, as a spiritual leader, are talking to people weekly about Jesus. And uh, it, it should just be a natural part of what we do. So continue on in that. I'm going to tell you something. You look at every Bible-believing church in America, study their history, you'll find at the very early moment a man, a Bible, a passion for the lost, probably a pocket full of gospel tracts, just engaging the community and talking to them about Jesus Christ. We just can't get away from that. And so continue in the gospel. Secondly, uh, I wanna to speak to you today about being committed to the biblical discipling and spiritual formation of people. Now, spiritual formation is somewhat of a buzzword, and so let me just say, I am not a fan of the spiritual formation movement that is, that is fostered today by some of the teachings of uh, Dallas Willard or John Ortberg or some of these men. They have some good things to say, some of the men uh, talking about uh, you know, keeping the soul uh, fresh and, and so forth. But I'm not as interested in soulish theology as I am in, in really walking in the spirit. Uh, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? When I hear about some of these, whether it's Timothy Keller or some of the others that advocate a prayer stance that's more akin to uh, some type of uh, repetition and uh, in some senses transcendental uh, meditation or some would even uh, liken it to the uh, principles of AA. When, that's not the kind of spiritual formation that excites me. My, the spiritual formation uh, that is very important for us to come to today is that which is founded upon Jesus Christ and the doctrine of the apostles. And so when I talk about developing a continuance in my life, when I talk about a continuance in the life of the church, uh, I'm not talking about a, a hybrid of, you know, uh, AA or you know some some meditation process. Uh, I believe that you can meditate on the truths of God's word, and that's a wonderful thing. But what I'm talking about is coming back to the gospel. Uh, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, let me just say that uh, there there's no continued continuing development where there hasn't been birth, and so uh, we want to make sure that the gospel is central that Jesus Christ is uplifted, that people are being saved, and uh, that we are uh, focusing on, on that truth. Then I think we have to come from the gospel, we have to remember uh, Jesus is at the center of everything that we do, uh, and, and then he is the pattern for everything that we do. Now I hear some people today, and I see some things on social media, you know, 
Don't follow your heritage, don't follow men, just follow Jesus. And what I think they're really saying is, don't follow those men, follow me. And I just wanna tell you today that it really isn't about men. It's not about uh, following men at all. It's not, it should not be about patterning after men. But let me just say this in all biblical fairness. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, okay? So uh, when you talk about formation, discipleship, uh, or conforming to the image of Christ, uh, you must understand that God does use human instrumentality. So when people say, don't follow men, don't follow your heritage or whatever, uh, that's kind of a, a nice way to say, hey, follow, follow my missional, philosophical, meditational way. Uh, but let, let's just kind of set aside uh, that, that argument for a moment and let's just come back to the place of we want to be followers of Jesus Christ. And if there's someone that is uh, leading you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ and into the principles of the Word of God, then be thankful for that. And, uh, but, but also try the spirits to see whether they be of God because there are some who do talk about Jesus Christ, uh, and yet uh, the fruit is not always uh, truly a Christ-like fruit. Now, one of my favorite verses for this subject is Galatians 4.19, and so whether this is for you as a, as a leader or for helping others, it says, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. All right, think of that. Uh, my little children, of whom I travail in birth again. So this is maybe a critical point here that I'd like you to really ponder. Why don't some people continue? Could it be because we don't continue to travail ourselves? Paul said to the Galatians, you know, I travailed when you were saved. Now I'm travailing again uh, because of all of the Judaizers and because of all of those who pull you away from Jesus Christ. And by the way, the Judaizers did not always say renounce Christ. They just said, add this to your following of Christ. And Paul said, no, it's not, it's not about uh, the law. It's about Jesus. And so Paul said, uh, my little children of whom I travail again in birth again. And that's kind of a gross thought for a lady that's had a child, but it really depicts the ministry because I have found people that we lead to Christ then we have to go back and we have to work with them and we have to help them along in their Christian faith. And that's the only way many people will ever continue. We didn't learn how to walk, run, ride a bike, talk, or eat without someone continually helping us along the way. And the church is a place for spiritual pediatrics and nurturing in that way. Now, one author said it this way, the church needs people who in listening to their pastor listen for the message of Christ, and pastors who, in laboring among the people, look for the image of Christ. I believe it was John Stott that said that. In other words, the, the church needs people who, as they're, as they're listening uh, to the pastor, uh, they are they're listening for the message of Jesus. And then uh, pastors who, when they observe the flock, are seeing Jesus Christ lived out in the flock. And uh, that's what Romans 12, 2 is all about, being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Uh, that's what Romans 8, 29 is all about, being conformed to the image of uh, Jesus Christ. And so uh, we have a pattern, and it is Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, let this mind be in you. So, as I said, I'm not interested in uh, meditative therapies. 
Uh, I'm not interested in uh, confessional therapies that might uh, have their roots in Catholicism. I'm not interested in, uh, in, in man's philosophies. But I'm very, very interested in conforming and becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is a process of preaching, teaching, mentoring, praying, and patience uh, with people. Uh, let me give you some thoughts that I think are critical to uh, spiritual formation or Christ-like formation. First, I believe preaching, and I believe in the primacy of preaching. And I, I understand, and I've heard, well, a lot of younger preachers today and a lot of younger people, they don't, they don't want preaching that's declarative. They, don't, they just want to have you have a conversational message. Um, and, uh, and, and listen, I, I believe in teaching, and I'm okay with conversational messages. But what are we going to do with the word keruk? It means uh, to declare as the king's herald. So I have no room for just, you know, screaming and mean preaching and just loud preaching that is not biblical preaching. I totally get that. I want to know what the Bible says. But if someone's preaching the Bible and they're uh, rightly dividing the truth, they can, they can raise their voice all they want uh, and be excited about it. I get excited about the truth, and I get excited seeing someone who's excited about the truth. So if I'm going to uh, continually see people develop, then I want to see that happening through preaching. Uh, Paul, of course, said, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and, and exhort. The second way that you can develop uh, a continuing flock is through modeling before them. Uh, faithfulness. I think people do what people see so often. And uh, uh, people need to see us in times of trials being faithful. They need to see us uh, giving glory to God. Paul said in Philippians 4.9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. So people need to see us uh, out soul winning. Uh, they need to see us uh, being faithful to our spouses and faithful to our families. And it, this modeling will produce a continuance along the way. As, as I said, Paul in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11, 1 said, follow me as I follow Christ. So preaching, modeling, and then of course, discipleship. What a blessing. We have a program that we have uh, written and, uh, and developed here. It's being used in hundreds of churches called Continue. Let me encourage you to check that out. Wednesday night, just to see people here on our campus being discipled uh, through this program. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Um, uh, you know, uh, they say a shepherd smells like sheep. In other words, Get in there and spend time answering questions, spend time with those new Christians. And so the, the provision that God has given to us for spiritual formation is, is Jesus Christ, the, the gospel, and the, the pattern is Jesus Christ's life being conformed to the image. The process involves preaching and modeling and, and discipling. And then let me just say finally, the product of this spiritual formation. Think about that verse in Galatians. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. Okay, So we're talking about continuing. We want to continue the process of formation. And what do we want to see in our lives and the lives of others? We want to see Jesus Christ. And uh, it's so important that uh, over time that Christ is seen and exalted in uh, in the local church. And so these are some things that we want to continue with. And I hope some of these thoughts have been a blessing. 
and an encouragement to you today and uh, pray that you have a great, great week in the ministry. We trust you enjoyed this episode of Spiritual Leadership Podcast. If there's a question or topic you would like Pastor Chapel to address in future episodes, send an email to qa at lancasterbaptist.org.